0: As we observe a service of lament in the ways that we have done injustice against the First Nations people, we have invited with us Reverend Levi Beardy, an indigenous pastor and someone who has been called by God to minister to people of the First Nations. Reverend Levi is the lead pastor of the Aboriginal Believers Church in Toronto. And also the president of the North American Bible, Aboriginal Bible College, and he is married to his wife Viola for 49 years, and they have four children and six grandchildren. Pastor Levi was born into an Aboriginal OG Cree family on the trapline of in Beersken Lake, in northwestern Ontario, and at the age of five, let me just read this because this is such an important step for us to consider ways that we would be observing the service of Lament. And at the age of five, his family moved to Tomahawk Center in Red Lake, which has been built specifically for Aboriginal families. The homes had no running water or or electricity. And he attended the Red Lake District Indian School for grades 1 to 3 under the Reverend Ezra Pichy, a missionary of the Mennonite Church, Reverend Levi's grandparents, Elijah and Emma Stoney, were members and leaders of the First Nations people with the Mennonite Church in Red Lake. And in 1960, his family moved to Koshinoor in a mining community 10 miles from Red Lake, where they were introduced into the public school system and integrated further into the non-native society, but were segregated in the community. While in Koshinoor, Levi's father had a visitation in the night from Jesus, and he became born again. Levi's father and his wife Rhoda were able to start a revival among the First Nations people, and this spread to at least 15 reserves in the north. Friends, Reverend Levi is a regular person, a resource person, who has always been invited to speak on the ways that churches And First Nations can come together in the spirit of reconciliation, healing, and forgiveness. And so let me invite Reverend Levi to the stage and to the lectern. And we will be praying for him. Now, before we invite uh, Reverend Levi to preach, it is customary in the First Nations community that when you invite an indigenous leader, you offer a gift of tobacco. And so, Reverend Levi, this is our gift thank as you. we seek your wisdom to speak about reconciliation and forgiveness in the spirit of Christ. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you very much. Do I have my, my uh, mic on? I think I do. Yeah, thank you. What, Jeff, that's what we say back home up north. That's a greeting of hello. Other First Nations people say... Uh, different variations of that, Uh, Sago by the Haudenosaunee people, the Mohawks of the Six Nations, and Tansi, the Crees further north, and some areas we even say bourgeois, which which is not French, it's our language, (laughs) the French stole it from us. I'm just saying there that I, 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 I'm honored to be here. And uh, as you see this uh, ribbon shirt that I have, this was just given to me recently, and you've got the eagles that are there. And uh, brings me to my remembrance, Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall soar on wiggle, eagles, soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. So I'm very honored to, to have this shirt. I have also an, a First Nations jacket that was also presented to me this year. And on the back is a wolf. So in our Christian culture, there's many times that concept of the wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't want to scare you, but in Native culture, the wolf, and I'm part of the wolf clan. I never knew that until recently. My uncle let me know about it. But the wolf clan signifies protection and guardianship, also pathfinders. Now, I was in the military for 21 years, so I did my time of guardianship. And protection. I was, uh, I was in the intelligence world, learned English. I learned Russian, I mean. They had to put toothpicks between my teeth and my tongue for us to be able to pronounce the words properly. And uh, that, was 30, that was over 50 years ago. And um, I still practice it sometimes. I still practice it sometimes. Nobody here understood what I said. Okay, okay. There's one. Okay, so, so anyways, so, so that was my time in the military during the Cold War. And uh, 33 years ago, I retired to go into the greater war, the war for the souls of men and women, no matter what background they are, no matter what race they are, no matter what part of the world they are for their spiritual healing and spiritual well-being. So I'm not honored to be here. I do have a, my wife of 41, nine years who has, has uh, been amazing. Uh, my best friend and four children that are amazing and also actually eight grandchildren that are uh, that have not been touched by the intergenerational traumas of residential school that I see Predominate the lives of our people. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. And I would just like to stand upon the scripture in Exodus, where it says, for those that love me and keep my commandments, I will bless to a thousand generations. I've been blessed because my great-grandfather was a chief and spiritual leader. My grandfather was a chief and a leader and a deacon in the Anglican Church, which was, which was thriving in our community, and my father, who, although he rebelled, became a pastor and started his, his churches in northwestern Ontario, carried on by my, by my sister now, who is, who's overseeing those churches, and my brother, who's overseeing them before. So out of the group of 12 of us, all of us have been blessed, plus our nieces and nephews, that number almost in the hundreds, because there were 12 of us to begin with in my family. And to just show you the power of God, I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? I pray that that is why you're here. And for those that are li- listening on the live stream, I pray that you will learn to believe in God and trust in God. I am here today, 72 years after an event. The year before I was born, my parents on the trap line lost a child due to malnutrition because of, because of the poverty that we had and the hardships in the midst of winter. They lost their first child. I was born the next year in the middle of a long blizzard. Uh, the planes could not land on the lakes because they only landed on the lakes. There was no roads, no rivers, Nothing. I was dying, but mom had heard in the church that God answers prayer. She couldn't speak English, she had never been to residential school, she was on the fringes of society, fringes of the world, out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a blizzard. An 18-year-old girl called out to God and said, God, Let my son live. In faith, believing that the word of God that had been preached in that church was real, that was true, that there was a God that could answer prayer. That night, the blizzard stopped, plane landed on the lake, and there was what I needed to survive. I'm 72 years old now, and God has been gracious to me in keeping me and preserving me, and the rest of the children that were born after me, 11 more, were healthy and strong. And out of that group, all of us rebelled when our parents came, became religious. I became atheist for about 10 years, but God came back, drew us. Why? Because when my parents despaired of our rebellion, they were going to give up their ministry. But as they were in prayer to a God that exists, that God that exists, spoke to them the word, and said, "Do the work I've commanded you to do. Give me your children. I'll take care of them." So my parents did that, and all twelve of us. There are four of us that are pastors. One's married to a pastor's wife, a husband. My sister is married to a pastor, so. So And the rest of them have been very involved in, in the church very strongly. So, so that's God's promises being fulfilled. He knows how to keep a promise. So that's why I, I adjure you, I, I ask you, please, read the word of God. This is the written word. Read it with eyes of faith and belief that every word is true. And that written Word will become the living Word and bring you through every disaster, every hardship, every uncertainty, every worry, every sickness. We've had healings, amazing healings, just in my short fam- in my small family and in, in my extended family. So I just pray that the Word. And don't forget... Jesus is the Word. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's put the first slide on. And uh, the truth and reconciliation came out, and one of the commands, findings, and requirements from the truth and reconciliation was that the church especially listened to the indigenous people. Because the church many times has tried to be the ventriloquist master for the, for the First Nations saying we'll tell you what to say, we'll tell you how to say it, we'll tell you what is needed but the true reconciliation allows us to say what we feel needs to be said for true healing just, just go on to the next slide I have a small congregation up the street here on Spadina, 14 Spadina, next to the Native Canadian Centre. It's been there 23 years, and we have a rotating congregation that comes. But Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, I I was so happy to see that Sacred Assembly song. I I was on the board of the Sacred Assembly Foundation and an organization founded by Elijah Harper, who was a member of parliament and stood up against many of the wrong things that were doing in the, in the federal government. So, so to, see, to listen to that was good. And to one of the things that we need to do is to, to apply the principles of healing. There's healing that God wants to do. A lot of Native People are seeking healing. They're finding ways to be healed as God reveals it to them by the Spirit. And one of the big questions sometimes is, do the native people hear God? They say there's a Creator, there's a Shemando. Are they really hearing the voice of the Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? My parents never went to uh, a residential school. And when they accepted the Lord, they never went to Bible college or to seminary because they weren't educated, couldn't speak English. They got into the Word of God that was in in their home language, which was Oji and Cree. They read the Word of God. They they sang the songs and the hymns that were available. They did it fervently. And God spoke to them to be able to do powerful things. Amazing things. That's my parents. There was another, another uh, person from, from uh, Quebec, Johnny Whiskey Chan, who was a drunk in Valdor, heard the voice of God, had a dream, went back to his community in northern Quebec. He was persecuted. He was shot at. His house was riddled with bullet holes, but he kept going to the band council saying, You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. And out of that, a revival broke. And 11 communities in that area broke out in revivals because a native person heard the Lord. Now, what about the shamans and the medicine men? Do they hear God? In Romans 1 it says no one is without excuse for God has revealed himself to all people. I went to a gathering of 200 medicine men from all over the world and I went there dressed not in this but in, but in a suit and tie, a three-piece suit and I went there with that God sending me and I stuck out like a sore thumb and I was shunned by 99.9% of the people that were there because To them, I had been assimilated. I was a a Christian. An apple. Red on the outside, white on the inside. (laughs) But as I sat there, God said, listen to them. And I listened. Then what ten medicine men came one after another. And they asked me. They had visions and dreams. They had visions and dreams, and they couldn't understand them. And I was puzzled. I asked, do you not know the Bible? And, and they said, no. One of them said, I was kicked out of the Catholic Church at five years old because I was a bad boy told never to come back. He never went back. But the visions and dreams that they had were straight from the Bible. All I had to do was explain from the Bible what God was saying to them so although they were not Christian is what I'm saying God was still speaking to them so we have to listen and and I've spent time with many of them since and so we have to we have to spend time with them as I look at that so that they, they, they God is revealing them healing strategies and we have to come alongside them now, for my own, my, own, my own spiritual journey, when I was a teenager, I saw the racism, discrimination that was pre- pre- prevalent through our communities, and I got angry and bitter. Not only that, in the late 60s, there was the American Indian Movement in the United States, and they had a face-off at Wounded Knee, and there was shooting. There was death, because the native people chose to stand up for their own rights, and I looked and I said the same thing could happen here in Canada. There was already rumblings. There were some 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 places in our country where there was a little bit of stirrings, so I said, "Well, are we prepared?" And I looked around and the chiefs and leaders were just busy trying to set up infrastructure, just, try, just trying to survive, really. Our people were in poverty then in the 60s and, and continued to be in some most areas. So I, I looked and I said, well, how, how can I become a person who can help my people during this time? So if we're going to be militarily active, then I should join the military, and that's how I got into the military. And the next, you know, they put me into the top secret world, and and uh, 21 years later, I came out, not not focused on fighting for First Nations people, not focused on fighting for Canada, and that's where the forgiveness had to come in when I became a Christian. Ten years into my military career, God appeared to me in a chapel, and all of a sudden, I, I, the presence of God was so real. And that's when He came to me and says, "Are you still willing to fight for your people?" And I said, "Yes. Are you willing to take a bullet for them, let's say?" And I said, "Yes. What about the white people? I hesitated and I said, well, there's a lot of good white people. I'll be able to fight for them. Met a lot of good ones. One in particular stood to mind. When I was in my drunken fury and bitterness, I was going to go beat him up. I didn't know who he was, but I was going to beat him up. He ran away, jumped into a car, and as he was driving away, his friend was driving him away, he turned to me and I thought, He raised his hand and I thought he was going to give me an obscene gesture or call me a name or something like that. But he waved to me, big smile on his face and he said, Jesus loves you. Now, how many of us would be able to do that if we knew somebody was going to attack us? I felt the love of God just come through me, even my drunken bitterness and anger and loosened a little bit of what was there. So, as God was talking to me about, what about, and I said, yes, I will take a bullet for the good white people. The good others. And he said, what about the racists? The ones that were really racist against your people. And that's when I said, Lord, Lord, that hurt every time I remember these these taunts and these accusations and these words they cut right to the bone and the Lord said do you remember what I did on the cross and the key to that portion of scripture that we read today is Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And Jesus said, they crucified me on that cross. He was crucified, not just by the Romans who did the hammering, they were the physical participants in the crucifixion, but by the Jews who are the spiritual attackers, who demanded that he be sacrificed, that he be crucified in in setting up a murderer free. Those were the active participants within that crucifixion. But there are two other groups. The Greeks were in that land, philosophers, adjudicators of justice. They stood back and said nothing. The sin of omission. And then there's one other group, his Bible college students, (laughs) the disciples, the apostles, whatever you want to call them, and his followers, the best of his students, Peter, renounced him three times. The sin of omission. He said there were those four groups primarily. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. What is. These were human beings, intelligent. They weren't just the dregs of society. They were people that were skilled and intelligent. The soldiers were, were skilled and intelligent. I was a soldier, I was an atheist soldier. But God forgave me. I've been a spiritual leader and I'm trying my best to be the best spiritual leader that I can be and I've studied philosophy I've I've read that, I want to be the best I can I'm part of the Toronto Police Aboriginal Peacekeepers, that means sort of like the police justice area I want to be the best that I can be for that, non-paying, I have the badge the ad badge, but that's about it but I want to be the best that I can be So all of these things, and I've been a student of God's word, so all of those four characteristics are embodied in me. But I want to know what I'm doing. Not just in the human realm, but in God's realm. Do you remember when Jesus said to Peter, get deep behind me, Satan, you have not in mind the things of God, but the things of man? All Peter said was, Jesus, let it not be so. He was just out of his heart saying, don't allow yourself to be crucified. He didn't speak it out of demonic wisdom, even though Satan was saying it through him, but human wisdom. Okay, So, so we have to do that to be able to do it. So in this area, for me, when this issue about forgiving racists and those that had done wrong against me I said Lord I can't do it it's not in me and that's when I said Lord you give me your Holy Spirit to cleanse me of all that anger and bitterness and frustration even though I'm a Christian I'm going to heaven there's still that residue of anger and bitterness and as God says it's not by might Not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So by his spirit, when his Holy Spirit came upon me, I was a cleansing from head to toe. And all of a sudden, I had a love for even the racists. I was in a... And after that, I I was involved in the military. I was doing Bible studies. I was doing all kinds of stuff in the military. And I went to one place, a civilian... Communication Security Establishment, which is an intelligence, Canadian intelligence agency. I was seconded there for a while in the military as a Russian analyst. And this one man hated Native people, hated military, and hated Christians. And one day he did something that was very revolting towards the staff. I spoke up and he came at me. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just just said, I should brace myself. But he just fell on the floor. People had to come and take him away. And I immediately started forgiving him for for all this stuff. And the next day I saw him and I reached my hand out, just the hand of peace and friendship because the forgiveness had come through so much that I didn't even see what was there. True forgiveness comes even before the apology is given. That's what Soren Kierkegaard says. Can you do something to be able to stop a reaction by forgiving when something is done? So as we look at this today with, the, with the forgiveness, it is not by your willpower. It is not by your strength of character. It's not by your teachings. It's not by the great little words of wisdom that come from all over the place. The only place you have power is through the Word. And especially when that Word becomes the living Word, which is Jesus. And I'm going to go quickly over something. I don't know how many... Ten ten minutes? Ten minutes? Okay. I'm going to go to, um, to some of the issues that we looked at we look at them the issues treaties land appropriations stolen resources all these things these are all so so hideous i'm also a board member or i just stepped out from a while with the rising above abuse counseling agency for that for 30 years has been working with residential school survivors for healing the sixty scoop survivors to help them heal from these traumas of the past and the intergenerational effects of that and, uh, and you know when, when that news broke out about the 215 unmarked graves at the residential schools we were having a conference we started on a Thursday Friday there was that revelation and even we who had been working on it for 30 years were shocked to the bone. We had thought, yes, it happened, but maybe not that badly. These are the churches you're talking about. Couldn't have been that bad. We will help, we'll help. And then the graves and said it was bad. Now was it it was that bad, but it's worse than that bad. And it shocked us even more And, and I don't know what else is going to happen, but we're looking at this and saying, God, heal our land. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, Jesus says. The next slide here. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can we believe God? That's why I start with the first part. Can we believe God? Abraham, Believe God. That was before Jesus. His his parents worshipped the sun, moon, and stars. His parents, Terah, and I forget the, the mother's name. But they worshipped the sun, moon, and stars. But somehow, Abraham looked beyond the sun, moon, and stars and saw the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. Do you know what I'm saying? We have to look beyond what we are capable of and see Lord, I want to see you in the fullness of your glory. What I see now, I want to see better tomorrow or later today. I want to have more and more of you, oh Lord. We have to desire and hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is that righteousness? Jesus is our righteousness. Guess what Abraham was given? I believe the spirit of Jesus was upon him. Okay? And we look at them Instead, it says in Mark eleven twenty five, Forgive them so that your Father in Heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, does that... Now, this is God's Word. It's saying that you can forgive as the Spirit of God empowers you. You can forgive. Can I ask my friend to come up for a second? Right here. Poor Nestor being brought up on the spot, doesn't know what's going to happen. If I do wrong against him, okay, it's like I'm grabbing him. Now, if he reacts, he grabs me. All of a sudden, we're locked. But if he forgives me, his hand comes down, he's free, and I'm free. That's the power of forgiveness. We can go on, we're healed, the world's forgiveness cannot do that. The world's forgiveness is, is, are just words. There's no power in it. But God's forgiveness breaks every chain, breaks the bonds of anger, bitterness, desire for restitution, desire for, for, for recompense, desire for a get back. It just says, now, Now, this happened to me 40 years ago where I forgave. But once in a while, something comes back. Something comes back and says, remember that guy that acted discriminatory against you? And I say, yeah, that's forgiven. It doesn't go beyond that because my heart has been healed. No longer is that trauma in here That frustration, that pain that used to be there, why? God is just reminding me, see the good thing I saved you from. Satan might use it to try to to try to uh, stir me up. But he has no authority. If I give him the authority, yes he will play games with my spirit and drag me back into something. But God always intervenes. But we have to take God first. So we have to believe that God is able to do it. God wants to do it. He desires so fervently that we all be healed. Luke 11, verse 4. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those who sin against us. Again, the people of God forgiving. John23, 20, it says, "If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." Think of it this way: Does that person who did wrong deserve to spend eternity unforgiven? If you have the authority under God's power to forgive them, forgive them." I said that to one family and one conference. And the lady came up and said, I can't forgive my son. And I said, well, I had used the term unforgiveness is like asking for a pound of flesh. And she said, what? Am I gouging a pound of flesh off my son because I choose not to forgive? That's a Shakespearean concept. And I said, yes. I I, I shook when I said yes because the reality of it hit me and the pain she went through and she asked prayer to forgive her son. And that's how serious forgiveness is. And we have that authority. So as we... I I want to talk to you about um, the aspects of... uh, I think I've... uh, We have, in the the smudging, I had an experience. I was the national director for First Nations Ministries for a national organization. And we had a mission station in in North Vancouver Island. Uh, Forgive me if I'm going to be a little bit longer. So the mission station was there for about 70 years at that time reached out to the native communities in the area. Not very successful, but having VBS and all this, Bible studies, but nothing really happened. And then they called me and they said, there's a group of 40 leaders from the indigenous communities around us. Nine of them are chiefs, and four of them are hereditary chiefs. They want us off our land. They want to reclaim it for themselves for a healing place. Because that particular place, Esperanza, which means hope, was a place that they used to get dropped off as children. And there used to be a hotel, a drinking bar, and everything there. And all kinds, as, as, the, as the parents were forced to bring the children, the government people would take the children away to residential schools, the families would be left behind, they would start drinking and fighting and all kinds of evil ensued in the midst of all the alcohol and they wanted that place back for them to start a healing center and, and they said should we call the police should we call the RCMP or somebody in authority to get them out of here and I said no if you have uh, facilities to feed them, you have facilities to, uh, to house them Feed them and house them while I tried to make it down. And I traveled from across the country, and it's an isolated community. And when I got there, just to make a long story short, within three days, they were singing Amazing Grace How Great Thou Art, Rock of Ages. God broke through, and they started sending whole families there for six weeks at a time for family counseling, individual counseling. And they became a healing place, and they let us stay. They would send the families there, and fifty percent of those I went home were baptized in water as a Christians. Now, one of the things that broke broke the bounds was the smudging ceremony. I had not done a smudging ceremony or ever been participated in a smudging ceremony before that. As a good Christian. As a good Christian, and what I had, but but the medicine man that was with them, or the spiritual leader, wanted to do it in, in in front of us. while we were there watching, and he explained it. He said that it was a a, a, a cleansing of the the mind, the cleansing of the ears, a cleansing of the the mouth, the cleansing of the heart, and the cleansing of our whole body to be used for the, for the, for the, for the Creator to use us, that we be cleansed spiritually. And I said, that sounds good. That sounds good. And then as he was coming around, I don't think I have them here, but as he was coming around, I saw him, and he had, instead of a feather, he had a branch. And as he was coming around, he, the Lord spoke to me, it said, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be made white as snow. And I said, well, that's the branch. Type. Hyssop is a branch. So I'm okay. And then I saw the smoke rising and it was, I forget if it was sage or sweet grass, but, but the incense of the First Nations is sage in, grass, in uh, tobacco. Or, and what does the Bible say? The prayers of the saints are like incense to the nostrils of God. Saints are not just Christians, it's people that believe in God. Like Abraham, didn't know about Jesus, but he obeyed God, was credited to him as righteousness. In the same way, I believe as as somebody does a smudge and they're doing it as unto the Lord... Their prayers are like incense to the nostrils of God, whether it's tobacco, sage, cedar, or sweet grass. And then, as he was saying about the cleansing, the scripture that came to mind was, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Take not their whole, thy Holy Spirit from me. So, so as they were doing that, that's when I walked into the circle and I said, I will participate. And I participated. And then after that, that's when the door opened for their healing. So, so today, I've never really, I've done smudging a couple of times, but not in a, a highly public event with a ribbon shirt on and so on. But so, uh, so I'm going to, I guess this is where I asked them to come up. Okay. Okay. Do you want to invite them? Just put in. There's no fire ban in the area, sir. So, for those of you that want to come up and participate in the smudging ceremony, just line up. And as what what you'll do is you'll um, just want to get yeah, as, okay, there, is, um, is is to waft the smoke into your over your head, over your mind, and your face, your thoughts, and so on, your heart, and, and down to your feet. And, uh, and I'm going to take longer than this because it also reminds me as a former soldier of the armor of God. It's like saying, I want to put on the mind of Christ. Jesus is our helmet of salvation. Jesus is the one that's going to protect us from the darts of the enemy for our mind and our spiritual thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness. Jesus again is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. It's like putting him on, saying, Lord, come on here. Be a part of my head. Be a part of my, my, my breast, my vital organs, areas. And the the belt of truth around the waist. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To gird our loins with Jesus. Feet shod with the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? Jesus is the gospel. Who is our peace? Jesus is our peace. It's like saying, Lord, let you be the lamp unto my feet. Guide my steps that they may walk in the righteousness of your holy will. The shield of faith, which is what? The word of God. The written word, but most importantly, the living word, which is Jesus. John one one says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Guess what? That's your shield of faith. And and, and I've, I read a report of a writing by a settler way back in the seventeen eighteen hundreds. They said the native warriors used to go out with, with just leather shields. That could not stop an arrow or spear, but they went in, saying, "Creator, this I will use. You protect me, but when you want to allow one arrow to come through, that is my day that I come to see you." In the will of the Father, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Jesus the Word, the 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 shield. Jesus is our shield and defender. That's what I was going to use there. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God, which is again Jesus. So, so I say when we do it in the Christian context we're doing it as the way indigenous culture does it but our equivalent is I would say the armor of God putting on the armor of God that we may be holy and blessed before him. So I'm just going to ask you all to come